my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Tanner fans, Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. How's everyone doing this week? I know it's Monday, Ugh, right? Yeah. Well, I got a surprise for you. <laughs> One of the Full House cast members just celebrated a birthday on January 19th, so yesterday, and that person is Jody Sweeten, Stephanie Tanner, and I thought, you know what? I've done episodes for a good chunk of the Full House cast for the, in honor of their birthdays. I'm like, we gotta, of course, do one for Stephanie. So I decided the episode that I want to cover in honor of Jody Sweeten's birthday is... Season 3, Episode 20, entitled, Honey, I Broke the House. In this episode, Stephanie drives Joey's car, Joey's prized classic car into the house when she is left unsupervised. This episode aired March 9th, 1990. It has a rating of 8.2 out of 10, based on 218 ratings on IMDb. Directed by Bill Foster, writer Jeff Franklin, the creator, and Kim Weiskopf. We got some user reviews here, but before we get to those, let's get to the trivia. Of course, anyone who grew up in the 80s knows the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? You know Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, Honey, We Shrunk, oh God, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves was... It was a direct-to-video sequel that came out in, like, 1998 or 99. Anyway, this episode is titled F the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids film series. Apparently, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was also a television series. I never... I don't think I'd ever even heard that existed until I was an adult. And I'm like, eh, what now? The the one-minute version of the theme song is used. Spoilers, this is the only time Stephanie runs away from home. Michelle later did the same exact thing, and the devil made me do it. So the only Tanner child that did not run away, and the fact that she ran into the basement doesn't actually count as running away, because she never left the house, was DJ. So, yeah, well, two out of three ain't bad, I guess. Hey, if you're in, in, in trouble and you know you're going to get yelled at, I mean, you do something big, you know that you're going to go down for, and you're a kid, odds are you get the itchy feet to to run, because you know that whatever you face is going to be worse than just hitting the road and getting out of town. I'm sure adults feel the same way when they're, they have an issue like that. They want to run away. They probably can't, but... They get that urge. All right. Let's see a goof here. (laughs) Let's see. This is kind of like an observation, not so much really a goof, I don't think. 
When Stephanie puts Joey's car in reverse, she never touches the gas pedal, yet the car goes in reverse anyway. Also, the car turns off when it crashes through the kitchen window. Yes, it stops right after it goes through the kitchen window. And can you imagine if it kept going? I kind of wonder if it would have been hit, like it would have stopped at that kitchen island. What do you think? Because there wasn't really force like driving it. No one's putting their foot on the accelerator because we see Stephanie is so, you know, she's a kid. She can't reach the pedals. Joey's probably got the car, you know, the seat set at where he needs it to be. Continuity. Stephanie had to go to dance class in 18 minutes. In this 18 minutes, Danny went to work and came home from work. Wow. <laughs> wow. We got some uh, connections here. Of course, title reference from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We have Perfect Sons in Fuller House. So this had to have been season, oh, season 4, episode 9. Stephanie crashing the car into the house is mentioned. Alright, let's jump on those user reviews. Power Mandan, the ever-faithful Power Mandan. 10 out of 10. Full House outdoes itself. This was published on July 22nd, 2018. Warning spoilers, guys. If you haven't seen the episode, go get Hulu. Watch the episode. Um, but then again, come on, if you guys are listening to this podcast, you're clearly around my age, so you're in your mid to late 30s at this point. You've seen it, you've watched it in reruns, you probably can quote it verbatim, as I probably can, to a point. <laughs> okay, here's this review. In order for justice to be shown in art, the full extent must be made. Also, you must think outside the box. There also must be morals. These ingredients are all incorporated into, and if those shows most respected episodes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Joey buys a beautiful shiny new car. He named Rosie. Oh, God. He feels on cloud nine. Meanwhile, aboard Stephanie wants to hang out with the rest of her family, but they are all busy. When Joey, t you know, that kind of reminds me of, um, what is the episode? I think it's also, I think it's from season two called Middle Age Crazy, where she wants attention from Danny, who's videotaping Michelle. She wants attention from Jesse and Joey. They're working on a jingle, and then they're helping DJ with her science project. So she goes off and gets married to Harry because no one's paying attention to her. So I don't think it's so much that, it's just she's got time to kill before going to dance class, which she does bring this up. I got 18 minutes, I got 12 minutes before dance class, but we gotta leave. Anyone wanna hang out? When Joey takes Comet for a walk while buying some touch-up paint, Stephanie goes in the car for fun. Pretending to take a drive and noticing the keys in the ignition, she turns on, turns it on and puts the car in reverse, thinking that R stood for radio. Oh my goodness. Sweetie. Sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. What'd you do, my baby? She completely demolishes the kitchen and Rosie. Well, Rosie's fine. I'm sure they'll get her out of there just fine. And he can take it in and have it restored. A little kid breaking a house was both shocking and hilarious. Seeing the other's reactions were just as awesome. 
At the same time, Stephanie's reactions to it all showed just how terrible she feels. Job well done to Jody Sweden. She ditched dance class and decides to move to Mexico, not before saying goodbye to Becky. Jesse also shows up and discovers Stephanie. He takes her home and all is resolved. Here's what really gives this episode its juice. The ending that gets wrapped up. Danny is furious at Stephanie and her true guilt towards her family has her in tears, wanting to run away because she feels unworthy of them for what she did. Danny explains that there's nothing in the world that could ever make him stop loving Stephanie. That she is irreplaceable. Oh man, now I'm getting teared up. <laughs> The way this is done is enough to tug on your heartstrings and change the way you think. Oh, well said, Power Man Dan. Well said, yes. Ooh, this person gives it a 5 out of 10. Oh, boy. The one with the car in the kitchen. Yes. Taylor Kingston, also another familiar name I see come up from time to time in these reviews. This review was published June 9th, 2015. Warning spoilers, this episode is good, but not great. It's an average episode, but I still enjoy watching it. I love that Joey's beloved car gets damaged just because I hate how OCD Danny is, and frankly, I don't like him as a character. Danny, not Joey. I feel bad for Joey, though. In this episode, while sitting in J Joey's classic car, Stephanie accidentally drives it into the house when no one is around. Danny almost has a heart attack when he sees a car in the kitchen. He seriously looks like he wants to cry. I don't know about that. Best part of the episode, when Danny sees the car. Worst part of the episode, when Stephanie almost cries because she feels so bad. Okay, 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 okay. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I, however, have to disagree with your opinion wholeheartedly. Overall, I give this rating a f episode a 5 out of 10, which in my ratings book is okay. My goodness. Like I say, I'm not going to get upset because, as I say, everybody is entitled to their own opinion of how they feel about Full House episodes. Not everyone is going to have the same brain. Real quick, here's where you can find me on social media or find the podcast at OMHC Full House Fuller House Pod on Instagram, on Facebook. Type in Full House Podcast. Type in Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Atlanta Holy Chalupas Full House Fuller House Podcast will pop up. Like it, follow it, you'll get updates as to what series of episodes I am focusing on. Currently, I am focusing on the Jesse and Becky a love story arc or series. Currently, this week, we'll be releasing Greek Week, where Jesse and Becky finally get engaged so they can work on their wedding. And, of course, next week, the final week of January, we get to see Jesse and Becky tie the knot. Now, I know the last two-parter, Love Be a Lady, was over three and a half hours. I am hoping that this one won't be nearly as long. I love talking about the show, but sometimes I feel like, oh, my gosh, my poor listeners. I just, it's a lot, I know. But... These episodes, reliving them and going through them bit by bit, it's an experience for me that is just, I love sharing this with you guys. I love this so much. Having fun with the characters and just learning things. You guys sometimes learn things when I learn things. Also, the podcast is on Twitter, OMHC Full House, and... If you would like to leave a review, because this podcast does need reviews, go to iTunes, go to your podcast app, 
type in Full House Podcast. The Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas Full House Fuller House Podcast will pop up. So definitely, you liking the show, get the reviews in. Let's get it out there. Let's get it more popular. We got the final season of Fuller House. Unfortunately, it's not going to be out till probably most likely December, like the last one was. I know when I heard Andrea Barber say that, I'm like, what? Even the interviewer was like, what? Really? The end of the, what? I get it. Guys, we want to savor it. We want to just, oh, just hold it in our hearts. This is a big one, guys. This is it. I don't think the characters are going to come back after this. As much as I would love for them, another network, to pick it up, I'm really happy. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm having my doubts. I really am. And I, I hate that. But... You know, another of my shows on Netflix got canceled and with the an E, and it's just amazing. The just Not just with this show, but with other shows. The f- outpouring of fans and everything just want to, like, renew and with the an E, renew, save Fuller House and stuff like that. So it's just sometimes the networks, they'll listen to fans. Sometimes they'll just say, I'm sorry, it's done, it's over, just enjoy the ride. Also, if you guys, if you have comments, if you have questions, if you want to share your experiences of these episodes, maybe your childhood memories, maybe you guys got opinions on episodes and stuff, you want to have input, that's great. If you guys want to even send an audio file of your observations and opinions on certain episodes, just remember, this is a clean Full House Fuller House podcast. The email, which I will leave in the episode description, is omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, I know it is a long one. But uh, all right, guys, without further ado, let's celebrate Jody Sweeten's birthday with Honey, I Broke the House. I'm ready for this. We have, of course, we have the cold open. It's set outside. We have Joey and Michelle. She's holding a yellow... Either it's a plastic bat or a yellow foam bat. And Joey is wearing his Detroit Red Wings jersey. And he's playing it up like they're in a stadium. He's like, Michelle, the babe tanner. And (laughs) she's just kind of watching. I'm like, thank you very much. All right. That's because she needed that introduction. So she goes up to the little T. She hits... What looks like a real baseball, because I see the red, like, ribbon going through it, and um, she hits it, and he's like, run to first base. So she goes to pick up the ball and runs to the paper plate on the ground. Joey, of course, is doing the commentating of saying, oh, and she's going to be safe, and she's fielding her own hit. Okay, So she's doing the job of both the <laughs> the batter and and the and the um the outfielder or whatever okay cute cute so she runs and Joey's like she's heading for first she's turning a triple into a single oh my goodness he's like oh she's heading for second she's stealing second as she grabs the paper plate and he's like head home Michelle head home and she runs inside the kitchen and says I'm home <laughs> this game is way too easy. I mean, it was a cute little bit, but it's like, eh. I've seen better Michelle cold open bits than this one. It was kind of weak sauce. We come out of the intro. We are in DJ and Stephanie's room. We have 
DJ and Kimmy working on homework while listening to Straight Up by Paula Abdul. They have the little small round table they use for Michelle. She, of course, has one of those doctor kits that has the stethoscope, and she's got um, her stethoscope on this little stuffed gray cat. It's so adorable. So this is a port. This isn't a Walkman. This is a portable CD player. It looks like. And I guess there's two headphone jacks in there because both DJ and Kimmy are listening to it at the same time with their headphones. And of course, we've known this for about Kimmy for quite a while. She loves to copy DJ's homework. And DJ just lets her. <laughs> Oh my god, no, guys, I am so sorry. They are not listening to Paula Abdul's Straight Up Now Tell Me. They are listening to Millie Vanilli. You know them for Blame It on the Rain. You also know uh, that they lost their VMA awards, didn't they? Because of, uh, her let me get this up on the thing here. Millie Vanilli was a German R&B duo from Munich. The group was founded by Frank Farian in 1988 and consisted of Fab Morven and Rob Pilatus. Group's debut album, All or Nothing in Europe, and reconfigured as Girl You Know It's True in the United States. I know Blame It on the Rain, and I know Girl You Know It's True. I know those two. Achieved international success and earned them a Grammy Award for Best New Artist on February 21st, 1990. However, their success turned to infamy when Morvan Pilatus and their agent Sergio Vendero confessed that Morvan and Pilatus, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing those names, did not sing any of the vocals heard on their music releases. The duo ended up giving back the Grammy Award for Best New Artist. The group recorded a comeback album in 1998 titled Back and in Attack, but the album was never released after pa Rob Pilatus died at the age of 32. So an executive with MTV says the duo's English language skills when they came in for their first interview with the channel stirred doubts among those present as to whether they had sung on their records. The first public sign that that group was lip-syncing come on, came on July 21st, 1989 during a live performance on MTV at the Lake Compost theme park in Bristol, Connecticut. As they performed the recording of the song, Girl You Know It's True, jammed and began to skip, repeatedly playing the partial line, Girl You Know It's Through the Speakers. I knew right then and there it was the beginning of the end for Millie Vanilli, recalled Pilatus of the incident. When my voice got stuck in the computer and just kept repeating and repeating, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I just ran off stage. So Julie Brown ran after Pilatus and convinced him to finish the set with a bit of pushing and screaming and a couple F-bombs, I think, as well. I got them back out there. Uh, despite the mishap, the concert audience seemed neither to care nor even to notice, and the concert continued as if nothing unusual had happened. Gotcha. All right, let's move on from this. The Millie Vanilli scandal. So both DJ and Kimmy are singing out the chorus like, Blame it on the rain! Yeah! Yeah! And then, of course, Michelle is like, and to her little stethoscope, like a microphone, Rain, rain, go away. <laughs> 
come again another i used to say that all the time as a kid when it would rain of course michelle as a yeah yeah <laughs> so this is the beginning of stephanie all out she's going to everybody in that house saying hey i still have 20 minutes before dance class if anyone wants to play with me and the thing is she has to lift up lift up the um headphone things on either side of Kimmy and DJ's head. DJ finds like, oh boy, I guess I have to address this situation. And she pulls the headphones down, looks at Stephanie, says, can't you see I'm doing our homework? And of course, to add insult to injury, Kimmy's like, you know, there's a country where they use little kids, little annoying kids for lunch meat. And I love this jab that Stephanie gives. Then you better not go there because you're full of baloney. So DJ's clearly had enough of Stephanie being there. So she tells Stephanie to go downstairs into the living room and run around the couch about a thousand times. Stephanie finally gets a hand. Clearly, I'm not wanted here. And DJ adds, you know what? On second thought, why don't you make it 2,000 times? Like, ugh. Now I'm sure I'm not wanted. Oh, boy. 20 minutes is not a long time, though. What are you going to do? Start a card game and have to stop? Like, oh, there's my ride. I gotta go. So I'm going to play this exchange. This is just fun. Because she goes to everybody in the house. DJ, Danny and Becky, Jesse, and then finally Joey. downstairs to bother Danny and Becky who are trying to get ready for next week's show and of course we get a last little tidbit of Michelle with that little plastic toy stethoscope she's like here listen to this as Kimmy puts the little earbud things in and then Michelle's like yeah yeah and it's like Seriously, does that little plastic thing that you would listen to a heartbeat, it's a toy, really? Is it going to amplify your voice? I, I don't know. Maybe a real one might, but I don't know. Okay, the one I was thinking of, I got it confused with the Rain Rain Go Away song, but the one I was thinking of in my head is the one I think that I said it was, it's raining, it's pouring. Which is an English language nursery rhyme and children's song 
it has a road from blah 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 recorded 1939 the lyrics are it's raining it's pouring the old man is snoring he went to bed and bumped his head and didn't get up to in the morning or something okay <laughs> it has been suggested that the inverse is a classic description of a head injury bumped his head followed by a lucid interval and an inability to resume normal activity couldn't get up in the morning however it also has been suggested that in regards to the first verse at least that the rhyme is an interpretation of an accidental death didn't get up in the morning indicating that no attempt or ability to get up was made so the rain rain go away come again another day actually i guess comes from 1687 a modern version noted by john aubrey 1687 used by little children to charm away the rain 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 go away come again a saturday heads downstairs like I said where Danny and Becky are going over the notes for next week's show it says now she has 18 minutes until Dan's class so between the time she interrupted DJ and Kimmy when she had 20 minutes and she came down the stairs now she has two less minutes than before what is that giant bell that's sitting on is that a coffee table book there's this giant bell that's got a handle, you know, the kind you would ring, like, hear ye, hear ye, or the town square would ring it in the, in the town square or whatever to get people's attention. Why is it there? I don't think it's going to be used. He's like, who wants to play? She is really that desperate to have somebody to play with for at least a little bit. And he's like, honey, we would love to play with you, but, you know, we're coming up with things to talk about on tomorrow's show. Well, Danny, you walked right into that as Stephanie's like, wow, you can talk about me and my day. And then she proceeds to start at the beginning of her day when she first opened her eyes and the disgusting, icky, dry, goopy, eye-crispy, ugh, that no one needs to hear about eye-crispies. I thought one of the other things, they're called like sleepers or something like that, like kind of like that crusty ick that gets around your eyes after you've been sleeping for eight to ten hours oh my goodness so she recites at the beginning it all started when i heard the alarm clock and woke up of course she wants to point out you know you might want to take notes on this i love how becky has just been writing something about you know the show and then of course at stephanie's you might want to take notes becky just kind of looks at her like are you serious danny can you handle your daughter please Oh, I love the shared look between Danny and Becky. Like, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this kid, I tell you. Right when she's like, right in the corner were those little eye crispies. Finally, Danny's like, Steph, and even Becky's like, Steph, could you just hold it for a second, please? And we definitely see where <laughs> Stephanie gets this from Danny, because you know Danny likes to go on and on and on. It's like, Honey, I know you tell great stories, and I love the way you put every detail into them, like the clothes that people were wearing, or what they had for breakfast that day, and this and that. And then he turns to me, like, I don't know where she gets it. I mean, she just, every story she tells just goes on and on and on and on. And Becky just looks at him like, you, I can't, I wonder where she gets it from. Like, Danny, come on. Clearly, this is an inherited trait from you. Oh, he's like, like the shoes that people were wearing or the color of the paint on the wall. Oh, my God. 
for what the weather was like. Oh my god. Jesse comes through the door and Stephanie right away gloms on. Uncle Jesse, when did you hear about my date? And he's like, oh yeah, ugh, honey, I know. Uh, I Krispies. Ugh. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. I don't want to hear about them anymore. I Krispies. Gross. Ugh. I really like this red form-fitting shirt that Jesse is wearing underneath that black blazer. It really is form-fitting. And of course, you're like, oh wait, I haven't told Joey yet. And of course, Jesse kind of wanted to get Stephanie out of there to uh, talk to Becky. And he's like, perfect, Joey loves a good eye crispy story. <laughs> I'm gonna play this clip. This is just so funny. I I I, I love that. Just Stephanie's energy is just bubbling over. with that neurosurgeon stuff and export of that. Well, I guess my work here is done. <laughs> I really have to get back to the station. Yeah, and I have to get ready for my business dinner. The one you have no reason to be jealous of. Why is it at your house? Come on. Kid, being jealous? I don't think so. I'm not jealous. No. Excuse me, I'm going to take a long ride until this feeling of not being jealous passes. <laughs> so this thing must continue for a, a bit with the, uh, I mean, we know that DJ wears the cowboy boots every once in a while, but Stephanie, it just seems like they're the these red cowboy boots that she's always in. I really like her top that she's wearing. It's a nice sweater that's got um, a mixture of blue, uh, kind of peach orange, canary yellow stripes running across it, but then it's also got, like, these black, like, diamond-like shape patterns kind of throughout it as well. Right now, it's definitely in the running for the best outfit of the episode. As far as for worst, so far, I definitely think what Becky is wearing, it's, like, really flowy. They're almost, like, overall pants because they do have, uh, kind of, cl like, cloth-like suspenders. But the, plant the pants are, like, really, really, like, flowy, almost kind of parachute-ish pants. And I'm just, I'm not digging it. Jesse comes in, he's like, hey, Becky, why don't we have a romantic dinner tonight? I'll come over and kick some chicken a la Jesse. 
And of course, as much as Becky would love that, because she would, unfortunately, tonight is no good because she has a business dinner with probably most likely just a sit-down interview. Why it's going to happen at her place, I don't know. Why you wouldn't go out to a restaurant. But maybe her place also serves as a place to have interviews. I don't know. But of course, Jesse does feel a little threatened. This Bo McIntyre. <laughs> well, I don't even think we learned later. I don't even think that guy shows up. He must have canceled. But he's an ex-quarterback and a neurosurgeon and Bachelor of the Month. Which is funny because in Season 5, Danny will be Bachelor. Bay Area's Bachelor of the Month. But the guy is 30. So unless he was an ex-quarterback from high school, no way could he be an ex-NFL quarterback and be a neurosurgeon at the same time. How? He's only 30. Usually kids don't start college till, what, 18, 19 years old? So that only counts for like 10, 11 years. You got to add in all your, all your schooling and... Uh, I typed this in. How long does it take to become a neurosurgeon? The process to become a neurosurgeon can take 14 years or longer. The steps in the process include four years of studying as an undergraduate and earning a bachelor's degree. Next, prospective neurosurgeons will need to apply and get accepted into medical school, which will take another four years. Become a neurosurgeon or neurologist, you typically need to fulfill the following educational requirements. Complete pre-medicine study at the bachelor's level. Complete a three or four year medical doctor degree program at an accredited university. Complete a one year internship in either internal medicine or in medicine and surgery. Complete at least three years of specialty training in an accredited neurologi neurology neurology resident program god a lot of years guys and this guy is only 30 so unless he's becoming a neurosurgeon and working his way towards that goal that's one thing but i call poo on that that is poo poo oh jealousy the green-eyed monster is consuming jesse again from todd masters at the end of season two to this is episode 20 of season three so he's immediately like, ew, Bone McIntyre has Bone McIntyre. And of course, you're like, Jesse, please calm down. You don't need to be jealous. He's probably cool. He goes towards every time. Like, he knows what her job is. If she's got to interview guys, she's got to interview guys. Doesn't mean she's going to be romantically inclined to go out with them. He's just a guest on tomorrow's show. And she probably wants to be able to interview him ahead of time so that way she can come up with information and kind of build a backstory to give the audience prior to him coming out and asking questions and stuff like that. Probably finding out what things are appropriate to ask, what things should I steer clear from as far as in the interview when it's being filmed, all the good stuff. And also she kind of gets an idea of what he's like in an interview so that way maybe she'll get a little heads up before they go live. But Danny doesn't exactly help Jesse's green-eyed monster here. He's like, oh my gosh, Jess, you gotta catch this guy. You gotta watch tomorrow's interview. He's amazing. He's only 30 years old. He's an ex-quarterback, a neurosurgeon, was just voted the Bay Area's most eligible bachelor. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Eligible bachelor. Don't like those words. 
<laughs> and D Jesse just looks at Becky like, you're not going to this business dinner. Becky bites her lip a little bit. Like, she's just, I think she's kind of secretly liking the fact that Jesse gets, is getting a little jealous. I mean, she doesn't like his attitude, but uh, just the idea, like, oh, he's getting jealous. The fact that it's, I'm interviewing this guy. <laughs> I think she just revels in his, like, oh, he's getting all worked up because he loves me so much. Ooh. Of course, Danny's like, well, this is awkward. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. Bye. <laughs> Danny is smiling like he loves this little uh, <laughs> thing that he started between this little rife here between uh, Jesse and Becky. Like, okay, bye. I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> I've said too much. So Danny goes back to the station. Becky's like, I gotta get ready for my business dinner, the one that you don't need to be jealous of. And of course, Jesse's like, oh, me? Come on. Jealous? The kid being jealous? I don't think so. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna go on a nice long drive until this thing of not being jealous passes. Now we jump outside to where Joey's classic car, who he names Rosie, which looks very similar to Bullet and also Walter from season one. So we will see another red car in season five when Jesse is teaching DJ how to drive Mustang Sally. Family in the red cars, I swear. And then they're there for one episode and then all of a sudden it's like, they're gone. Where did they go? Yeah, it's like Danny had like his new car, Walter, in season one. Season five, when he's trying to teach DJ to drive, He's using that gold car. So, Stephanie's outside regaling Joey with her day. She's already up to school and her being in class. And the teacher's saying, well, today's lunch is macaroni surprise. What does that even consist of? I've heard of things like macaroni surprise, meatloaf surprise, other food surprises with what? What does that consist Like something like secret, like a sauce? Or like, oh, I chopped up some bacon and tossed it in the macaroni. Ooh, that sounds so good. But this is cafeteria food. It's like you're predestined to hate it. Regardless of how good people probably say, oh, it's so good. It comes in from blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it's cafeteria food. It's, yeah. So I looked at macaroni surprise. Really, you just get some recipes for macaroni surprise. One has you stir in tomato sauce and ground beef. That sounds kind of interesting. Okay. So it's all different variations of macaroni surprise. My guess is macaroni surprise is going to have some type of meat in it. I'm looking at this big... It's not humongous, but it's a barrette that, of course, the colors in it have blue and yellow and red, which kind of match her sweater. But it's interesting. I don't know what it looks like a comic strip. Like they cut out like a comic strip and then pasted it to some fabric to turn it into um, a cloth barrette in her hair. Of course, Stephanie being Stephanie has to raise her hand when the teacher says we're having macaroni surprise. And Stephanie's like, yeah, but if you say it's macaroni, you ruin the surprise. And Joey this whole time hasn't said anything. He's just busy, you know, rubbing a cloth over his nice, beautiful car. And he points out to Stephanie, like, Steph, I, I like your story and all, but you haven't said anything about my nice new car. So Stephanie wants attention because she's bored and she needs something to occupy her time before dance class. 
And Joey, of course, wants someone to take notice of the fact that he purchased a classic car, which I'm finding it hard to believe because, uh, unless, unless he took whatever was left of that, I don't think he could have, I didn't think there's a whole lot left to that, um, savings bond his mom got him in season one. Where, and he's always got, like, next to no money half the time, so how do you afford this car? And he, like, kind of holds up a hand, like, cuts her off, like, Steph, I love hearing your stories, but you haven't said a word about my brand new used car. <laughs> brand new and used in the same sentence. <laughs> Guys, there is nothing wrong with a used car. I have had many used cars in my, um... 20 years of driving a car. <laughs> what is that weird thing? Oh! What is... Oh! I see it. It's on the ground. It's a hose. Okay. Oh! I forgot to mention the car that Joey supposedly steals. Um, that red one he gets for DJ and Grand Theft Auto. Grand Gift Auto. Which looks very similar to this one, only this one's got a top on it, whereas DJ's and Jesse's and Danny's did not have a top. It was basically a convertible. So, of course, as a kid, if she's not into cars, eh, great. Anyway, back to my day. And Joey's like, no, wait, hold it. He doesn't care, Joey. She doesn't give a rat's crack that this is a 1963 Rambler. What does that even mean to her? She can't drive. She didn't exist in 1963. Carfax mean nothing. If this were me, my eyes would be glazing over. I'm like, hey, I don't care. It's a classic that's in primo condition. So I looked up the 1963 Rambler, and I'm seeing, like, used, like, I guess you can buy some in certain states, like, around 8,000, 11,000 in very good condition. This is 1990. I can only imagine how much. This car is almost 30 years old at this point in the show. He's like, you know, some people say it's wrong to love a car, but I don't care what people say. I love you, Rosie, and he just hugs the car. Wasn't there a person out there that tried to marry their car? I don't know. And he's kissing his car. Like, oh, okay. This is where he notices that there's a nick in the paint. He's like, oh, no. And Stephanie's like, what's wrong, Joey? And he says, Nick. And Stephanie's like, okay, what's wrong, Nick? And he's like, no, Steph, there's a nick in the paint. <laughs> Again, like I said, she's... Eight years old, she doesn't know about cars. Hey, if there were a nick in the paint, I'd be like, great, I'm still going to drive it. Does it still work? Fine. It's not like he owns a fleet of classic cars, but I mean, I, I don't want to judge on Joey anymore. I mean, I get it. You love your baby. You love your Rosie. Let's move on from the, um. So he's like, hey, look, I'm going to go down to Sid and Jean's Auto Supplies and see if I can get a little can of touch-up touch paint. So, of course, Comet comes out, and Comet looks to be about maybe five to six months old at this point. He definitely is grown a little bit since they got him early on or halfway through season three. So he's like, hey, Comet, want to go for a walk? 
And Comet comes out, already got the leash on pretty much. He's like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah, Comet definitely looks to be about five to six months old at this point. And Stephanie's like, I'll watch Rosie for you. Thanks. And he's like, thanks, Steph. Um, she did at the beginning of the episode say she had, what, 20 minutes uh, till dance class? Girly, I think your 20 minutes are up, pumpkin. <laughs> I think uh, th this whole dance class thing, the timing stretches to unbelievability. Like, if I had 20 minutes to get somewhere or I was waiting for somebody to come and get me, like, a, a couple of times I had to write wait for somebody to come here and for, like, five to ten minutes prior to, I'm walking between the living room and the kitchen because we have a garage, we also have a front door on the other side of the house, so it's like... Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's like, I can't sit down because it's like, I want to be there to let them in. And it's winter and it's cold out, so who wants to stand outside and wait for someone to open the door? So I'm going to play this clip. off to Sid and Jean's auto supply shop with Comet in tow and Stephanie of course is getting acquainted with Rosie the car and she of course we see Joey has left the car the keys in the car which is a major no-no like the view that we get from the camera angle here we get it it's actually looking in to the car from the passenger side as Stephanie is opening the door now she gets in and sits in the seat, and of course you can see her head is about the height of where the steering wheel is. It's like right in her face. Um, you can definitely tell that she is nowhere near those pedals. So, and the thing is, I don't think she even considers, because she's not planning on driving it. That she's just pretending. As she says, I was pretending I was taking a make-believe drive. And like, We've all been kids, guys. We've all seen our parents drive and probably in the back of our minds said, oh, that would be so fun. Why do you think kids are in such a hurry to be teenagers to get driver's licenses? Freedom. Not just freedom, but the fact that you're doing an adult thing. We as kids view driving as an adult thing. That's one of the privileges adult privileges that is bestowed upon us at the very wonderful age of 16. 
Well, hey, at least she remembers to put her seatbelt on, so that's good. That seat pretty much is big enough that it takes up the length of her body, and the only thing that is going over that seat is going to be her her calves and the length of those cowboy boots. And you can tell that her feet are nowhere close to the floor. That just makes that that steering wheel is humongous. It's as big as a human head. It's so big, but that's how they made them back in the day. At least she is just having a ball, just bouncing in that seat. Just Drew got the hands on the steering wheel. Like, la 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 la. Look at me, I'm driving in the country. Radio's not on. No, the radio's not on. Of course. She's like, well, I need something on my. Make believe drive the country, but the radio, that's right. You can't drive without the radio. Have you ever tried? It's boring. Yes, she needs some driving music. There you go, girl. Oh, is she doing this, like, pretend to turning it on? Because she's moving the knobs and stuff, but I'm guessing, does she think, like, just by turning the knobs, like, because the car is not on, and she realizes, or I, I'm just guessing, like, yeah, the, uh, She's really, it's not going to come on by just turning the knobs. I think, honestly, she thought that maybe if she turned those knobs and pushed those buttons that the radio would automatically come on. She said, hmm, oh, that's right. The car has to be on for the radio to come on. And the moment she hears that engine start up, she's like, whoa, whoa. It's like, it's starting to get really real for her. She's like, oh, stay, stay car, good car. Like, this is the point that you're like, okay, this is getting too much. Turn the car off. And get out of the car. Or if anything, just turn the car off. And she's been in a car with, I'm sure, Jesse, Joey, and Danny. Whether or not she's ever actually seen them start the car up and use... Because the transmission is actually connected to the wheel. The the steering wheel... Uh, well there i've had cars like that i've also had the one where it's like kind of in the in the middle like the gear shift and she sees p r n d and she oh that must stand for radio r must stand for radio no it stands for park reverse neutral and drive so the camera does do a close-up shot of the prn and then we have d and we have a two and a one on either side of it which means in second or first gear um, I'm really calling unbelievability here because when she put that in reverse, it just goes automatically. Somebody was pressing down on the accelerator. And you actually see the tire track marks on that grass because, of course, that grass is fake. And of course, the car backs through that kitchen window into the kitchen and it, it, that is a scary scary thing for a child she's lucky that she only had some of the wall fall on the car and not anything else because she could have been hurt she could have been killed granted danny's gonna bring all this up when he's yelling at her it takes her a second to realize like, oh i'm in the house and i'm still in the car so she climbs into the back and gets out the only available door that doesn't have debris on it. 
which is the right side passenger door. And she, the whole time she's going, oh, no, no, no. And you see, the car did take out that table, it feels like. And we see some chairs there. Did she turn the car off? Because I don't think she put it back into park. Because odds are, would that car just have kept going and stopped at the Kitchen Island? I'm kind of curious. Imagine if it went through that. But someone would have to be hitting that accelerator pretty hard for it to go through. Because it would hit the kitchen counter. It would stop, I would think. And I think that kitchen counter is made of stronger stuff than that uh, that kitchen wall there. I'm going to play this cl uh, clip as she's playing in the car and then she goes through the house. you this as a kid have you ever done something maybe not to the full extent of what Stephanie's done or maybe you have and it's one of those things where <laughs> you just like hope and pray like please let this be a dream please Beth, let this be a dream and you realize that it's not and it's like and it's not something that you could just quickly fix um 
with an I'm sorry or I'll fix it or this or that. Um, I've had two instances where I, I was of legal driving age and I backed my dad's car out of the garage and I hit the side of the garage. Now I did that with the, the garage that we had on the, you know, that was attached to the house. My dad had a fit. And then I did this again with the new garage that my dad built separate from the house as I was backing out. I always seem to have an issue with judging the space between one side of the garage. Usually it was always on my the right side that I had an issue. Thinking, oh, I got enough space. Nope. This is nowhere near the magnitude of what Stephanie did, but my dad was angry, very angry both times. Especially since the garage he put up when I did that, he hadn't had it for very long, so he's like, oh. So, yeah, I want to go back real quick to when she's in the car and she hits the reverse and it just goes back. It's like, at that point, it's like, like I said, her feet are nowhere near long enough to hit the brakes. And I kind of wonder would she have even known to do that because she didn't think she's eight. She's never been in the driver's seat of a car before. I'm sure she's probably never even paid attention to the fact that, oh, my dad's starting the car. Okay, now he's putting it, he's the transmission, he's putting it into reverse. She's not watching his feet hitting the pedals. And, or she probably doesn't know even know which one's the accelerator, which one's the brake. All she knows is that that car is going backwards and she has no idea how to stop this from happening. And she's like, say, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, she can almost command the car like it's a dog. Like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. And she screams. It's like... That is a scary thing. It's like her eight years of her life could have flashed before her eyes because she's going back and she knows what's behind the car is the house. So what is she probably thinking? Like, I'm going to go through, I'm going, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. And she's just screaming like, this has got to be traumatizing for a child. If I were young and I had pulled something like that, I would be scared. I would be beyond scared. I wouldn't want to get in a car after that. Which I'm surprised that that doesn't happen after this. She's able to get into her carpool's vehicle that was supposed to take her to her dance class. Yeah. Just the audience reaction of Stephanie just realizing like she's still in the car, but she's actually in the kitchen. And just like, oh, like this is like the biggest, this is bigger than the time DJ brought that horse home. Or, um... The time that Danny's wedding ring fell down the drain when Stephanie and Michelle are dressing in Danny's clothes. I mean, this is, this is big time. This is like as much destruction, but also in season seven, the apartment episode, we will get in a way kind of a callback to this episode because, but a cement mixer, it just takes out the window. It doesn't take out the wall of the kitchen. So she's like closing her eyes and just clenching her face, please be a dream, please be a dream. She opens her eyes, realizes she's still in the kitchen, she's not in her bed. It's a nightmare. Can you imagine that panic and that tightness in your chest like starting to set in? Like, oh my god. 
if I were in Stephanie's situation, only with my family and not the Tanner family, I would be having a fit, like, big time, like, freak out moment. I would... Oh, her cowboy bones are red. They're more of a fuchsia color. She kind of looks around, surveying the damage, and sees, of course, that the car ended up taking a couple legs out of, or off of the family kitchen table and, like, shoved it way, way out of the way. I see that Joey's license plate is JJE805. Of course, who come? No adult is in the house because Danny went to work. Becky, of course, went back home. Jesse went for a drive somewhere, and Joey, of course, is getting touch-up paint from um, Alan Jean's auto body repair place. So, and think about it: DJ's upstairs with Kimmy doing homework. None of them know that this took place. You're telling me that. None of them felt the side of the house shake. Maybe they thought it was like a tremor from a, a a light little earthquake. But you wouldn't feel it. That took that car took out a wall of their house. Michelle, of course, comes down because she's probably bored hanging out with DJ and Kimmy and them ignoring her. So she's like, "There's a car in the kitchen." Which, of course, even at, like, three years old, she knows, like, that doesn't sound right. Cars don't go in kitchens. They go in garages or they go outside. They don't stay in the house. And Stephanie, of course, is like, oh, what, there is? Oh, there is a car in the kitchen. Did you see how it got here, Michelle? And Michelle's like, no. And, of course, Stephanie's like, good. So I can't really be blamed for this 100%. But then she realizes, yeah, when Joey gets back and says how she was... Joey left her in charge of watching the car, although she, she kind of volunteered herself for that, but still. Then I'm dead meat. Okay, now here's where uh, Kimmy and DJ are listening to Paula Abdul straight up. And they're not even paying attention as Stephanie comes in and starts packing a bag. She starts opening a drawer and pulling stuff out, and she's got Mr. Bear, and she's got this big old gym bag that she just, duffel bags she starts just putting stuff into. I like how Kimmy has got her foot kind of extended out onto uh, the chair there. She's really relaxed. Oh, of course Stephanie's going to need an umbrella wherever she's going. Michelle, of course, <laughs> she's like, hey. And they're not paying attention. So she pulls out the plug to the headphones. And she's like, I said, hey. And, of course, Kimmy's like, what do you want, squirt? And Michelle's like, don't call me squirt. So DJ's like, may we help you, madam? And Michelle is like, there's a car in the kitchen. The camera cuts over to Stephanie's expression. Like, you knew Michelle was going to say something. She's three. She's got no filter. But of course DJ doesn't believe her. Like, yeah, sure, right, Michelle. And there's a bus in the bathroom. Of course, Stephanie's like, <laughs> good one, Deej. And that's when DJ looks over and asks Stephanie, Steph, why are you packing a bag? So Stephanie, quick on her feet, is like, oh, well, I mean, it's dress rehearsal, and I need something to practice rehearsing in. Uh, huh. So, of course, we get the horn honking. Finally, 20 minutes. That was the longest 20 minutes that has ever been 20 minutes 
in the history of 20 minutes because all that stuff happens in the course of 20 minutes. She's like, oh, that's my ride. I gotta go. Of course, Stephanie is saying her final goodbyes unbeknownst to DJ who just looks at her like, what? This is weird. You normally don't hug me when you go to dance class. And she says, goodbye, DJ. I'll always remember you. And she hugs DJ, and DJ is just like, what is going on here? And Stephanie even gives her sister a kiss on the cheek. I love the confused look she gives to Cammie. And then she just kind of is like, eh, whatever. <laughs> okay. And now Stephanie goes on to Michelle, who's like playing with the headphone jack cords. <laughs> and... Stephanie hugs Michelle. It's like, goodbye, Michelle. Good luck in everything you do. Oh, and she gives her a kiss. That's sweet. Of course, Kimmy wants to get in on the hug action, and Stephanie just kind of glances at Kimmy over her shoulder, like, with a raised eyebrow, like, see you, Gibbler. Like, you're not important enough to hug. I'm not going to miss you. <laughs> Mr. Bear's going to take up the majority of the room in the bag. I'm guessing they're probably done with their homework. They're taking a homework break. They want to get a snack. They come into the kitchen and they're laughing about new kids on the block. And that's when they see the damage. You know, the kitchen table is broken. The chairs are all thrown around the kitchen. There's debris. There's glass. There has got to be cut of glass there. I wouldn't be walking around there. And both Kimmy and DJ together are like, whoa, baby. I tell you my reaction if I saw this, but this is a clean podcast, so I'm not going to do that. The DJ's like, there's a car in the kitchen. And of course, Michelle's like, I told you so. And DJ turns to Michelle like, Michelle, do you know how Joey's car got in the kitchen? And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yes, I do. And DJ's like, well, how to get in the kitchen? And Michelle's like, she points through the window. (laughs) Oh. She's not wrong. It came through the window. So Jesse comes home. Okay, I guess he decided to go pick up some groceries and uh, decompress over his green-eyed monster jealousy over Becky and Bo McIntyre. 
And he opens the door. Granted, of course, the car's in the way, so he can only open it so far, which that would be a red flag in itself if you're opening the door and only realizing you can only open it so far when you normally should be able to just open it all the way. He, he And he's got three grocery brown grocery bags that are pretty much blocking his view so he assumes the table is going to be there and he's going to set the bags on the table As he walks into the house but he doesn't get far because he hits the side of joey's car he puts a hand out and starts like feeling along the edge of the car it's like this isn't a kid and this isn't a kitchen table he slowly realizes he just lets the grocery bags fall, which one of the bags I can see has, like, toilet paper in it and maybe some chips. He's like, have mercy! See, have mercy can't, isn't just said when he is in love, in the moment, wants to express something. It also can be used in moments of surprise and shock. And Jesse can't even get the words out. He's like, there's a, there's a, help me out here. And Kimmy and DJ are like, there's a car in the kitchen. Yeah. He's like, thank you. How did Joey's car get in the kitchen? Are you girls okay? I like that he's like, as, like, cares about their safety. Like, girls, are you all right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. We were just upstairs doing our homework. Because they have no idea how Joey's car got there. And so, of course, like, where's Stephanie? Stephanie's at dance class. And I love how they do the same thing Michelle did when he asks, how did the car get in the kitchen? And DJ and Kimmy are all like, through the window. Oh, he doesn't ask about Stephanie because all of a sudden we hear a hello from the kitchen. Oh boy. This isn't good. <laughs> Clearly this was not a full work day for Danny. He probably just had to come in there. This has got to be, this has got to be a Saturday. It's got to be a Saturday. Because... She's recounting, Stephanie was recounting her day, and the kids are in a, at school or anything, so you probably just had to go in there and get ready for the show coming up. Either it's a Saturday or it's a Sunday, I don't know which. And DJ's like, well, I don't think Dad's gonna be fine. So Jesse's like, alright, we have to break this to him very gently. And he picks up Michelle and says, come on Michelle, come with me. You're like, it'll be a lot easier for him to not cry if he sees you. It's harder for him to cry around you, basically. Because Danny Chow's like, hey, where is everybody? And Kimmy's like, in your new garage. It's like, Kimmy, okay, you can go home. Oh, DJ, quick on her feet, devises a plan. Like, look, we'll be right back. Stall dad. So Danny's hanging up his jacket as Jesse brings Michelle in there. And <laughs> Danny's like, hey, hey, guys, how's it going? And Jesse's like, yeah, fine. Had a bang-up day. I'm like, oh, Jesse, nice choice of words there, guy. So Michelle's like, there's a car in the kitchen. She's, like, telling this to everybody. And Danny just chalks it up to just one of Michelle being Michelle, basically, as he kisses her. Like, oh, honey, you are so funny. And, of course, she's like, actually, she's not that funny. <laughs> she's like, well, there actually is something I would like to show you in the kitchen. And, of course, that's when DJ pops her head in. And says, okay, we're ready. Bring them in. And Danny is like, oh, this is great. I love surprises. I thought Danny hated surprises. That's why he didn't want a surprise party. He, This must be one of those bonus. Let's see. It's not Father's Day. It's not my birthday. Oh, this must be one of those bonus I love dad days. And I love Jesse. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, 
your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what's going to happen when we walk in that door. <laughs> I got to play this. This is just, oh, his just, this whole exchange between Jesse and Danny. And then Jesse just, or Danny walking in there. And that smile that was on his face a second ago, gone. Like, his eyes are bugging out of his head as he takes in the carnage of his kitchen, his once beautiful, clean kitchen, which the same thing with Rocket. Like, I just waxed the floor. I just mopped the floor every time. Same thing with even Shorty the donkey. Always something like there's an animal or there's uh, a big mess in the kitchen. He's like, I just did this. I just waxed this. I just, yeah. <coughs> purposes so yeah Danny is just his eyes are just bugging out of his head as he slowly starts to take in the carnage the mess around him and we see this flash and it turns out DJ's got a camera which is interesting because this is kind of a callback to um, the big 3-0 with Danny's car bullet and just him seeing the wreckage of his car after it had been dumped in the bay or it um, somehow landed in the bay after going down a hill and crashing through a barrier and yeah. And DJ's all like, good face, Dad. So Danny's all like, is everyone all right? Where's Stephanie? And DJ's like, well, Stephanie's a dance class. Look at this house! Look at this kitchen! Look at this mess! I just waxed the floor! And then he's like, where is my best friend, Joey? Does he really think Joey would have done this to his own car? Come on, Danny. You're smarter than that. But then again, it's Danny just stressing out and just grasping at straws. Like, I gotta blame someone. This is Joey's car, so clearly I'm gonna blame him. There's no way anyone is tying this to Stephanie. Stephanie's not there. Of course, DJ's not taking this seriously because it's, well, the, the in, God, I wonder how that would work out with the insurance. 
oh, my eight-year-old daughter got in this car that was in the backyard and got in the driver's seat and put it in the car in reverse and it went through... I don't know how this would play, but anyway, DJ's like, Dad, let me get one more picture of you. And he's looking at her like, DJ, this is a very serious matter. And she's like, well, that's all right. You don't have to smile. Clearly, it's played for comedic purposes because Danny is about to blow his top. Now we head over to Becky's place. Her, this, I think it's got to be a townhome because it's got a second level to it. And it's got, she's got a greenhouse window there with a bunch of plants in it. I love right by the couch, there's a table behind the couch and it's got this gorgeous picture of Jesse and Becky together. Definitely looks like it was professionally done. So there's a knock on the door. Becky is wearing something different than what she was wearing before for her dinner with Bo McIntyre. I gotta ask, who has a business dinner at their house? I mean, TV personalities, people on talk shows, the interview people, do they have them over to their house for a pre-interview business dinner? I don't think they do. So, Becky's like, who is it? Because she's probably not expecting Bo McIntyre to be there for a little bit. And, of course, Stephanie is always, always states her full name. I think she's the only one of the kids, except for Michelle is said, a Michelle Elizabeth Tanner. Stephanie's like, Stephanie Judith Tanner. Becky is surprised to see Stephanie, and they're like, Stephanie, what are you doing here? And Stephanie's like, well, my carpool dropped me off. What? Really? You said, oh, I gotta stop here for a minute? I gotta stop here? And I'm surprised the lady isn't saying, well, honey, I thought we were taking you the, to the dance class. What excuse did she make to say, I gotta go visit my uncle's girlfriend? And Stephanie doesn't beat around the bush. She says, I came to say goodbye. And Becky's looking at her like, goodbye? Well, I like that she included Becky in her goodbye list. I mean, she's not going to hug Kimmy and say goodbye to her because Kimmy, like, who's Kimmy, right? Nobody to Stephanie at this point. <laughs> Other than DJ's annoying friend. But Becky, it's like, Becky means some something to Stephanie, she's like a part of Uncle Jesse. I mean, they almost got married in Lake Tahoe. So even though she's not connected, they're not married yet, she's still connected to the Tanner family. And plus, she works with her dad. So so Becky invites Stephanie in. Like, okay, I gotta get a little more to this story. Why are you saying goodbye to me, basically? So she's like, where are you going? And Stephanie's like, I'm moving to Mexico. Without a passport, you ain't even getting in the gate, kiddo. She says she's going to start a new life as a Mexican hat dancer. I love Becky here. She's, he just, she folds her arms, kind of looks at Stephanie. Like, you're not allowed to cross the street. How can you cross the border? And Stephanie admits, I have no choice. I'm a woman on the run. And Becky's like, Why? And this is really sad how Stephanie just, oh my goodness, <clears throat> breaks my heart. She's like, because I can never go home again. It's like, oh my god. If you were Becky, red flags would be popping up all over. Like, why? What's going on? Like, that is a serious statement. If you say, I'm running away because I can never go home again, it's like clearly something happened. 
After she says that, Stephanie looks down like she's so sad and ashamed. And Becky still, her arms are folded across her chest, just doesn't know what to make of any of this. It's, you know, her boyfriend's niece stops by, says, I'm moving to Mexico because I can never go home again. So it's not like she's going across state lines. She's skipping the country. Yeah. That needs, a phone call home needs to be had. Stephanie says, I can never go home again. Of course, we cut to commercial. We come back, and this is where Becky asks, Steph, why can't you go home again? And Stephanie tells her, I kind of have a little problem. Actually, it's more like a super giganto dinosaur-sized problem. <laughs> so, Becky leads Stephanie over to the couch so she can get a little more information about what is going on. Come over here, Steph. Sit down. Tell me what happened. I like how she's being so caring to Stephanie. Of course, the the words that Stephanie is choosing to say, you can only imagine imagine what Becky is visualizing and thinking about what is going on with Stephanie, what this problem is, like what happened. It's just Stephanie's like, it, I can't, it's too terrible. I can't even say the words. It's like, oh my goodness. I love how Becky bends to, you know, look Stephanie in the eye and takes her hands. And she's like, Stephanie, honey, you can tell me anything. So Stephanie's like, okay. But every time she tr starts to say, I, dr I drove, she's like, I drove, I drove, I drove. And, of course, Becky's like, uh, you dropped something. Did something break? And Stephanie's like, yeah. <laughs> like, what did you break? You name it, I broke it. So, of course, before they can go any further into this conversation, there's a knock on the door. It's Jesse. And, of course, Stephanie goes into... You gotta hide me. Like, you gotta hide me. It's Uncle Jesse. He can't know that I'm here. Please don't tell him. So I'm gonna play this clip. Steph, why can't you go home? I'm having a little problem. Actually, it's more like a super gigantic dinosaur-sized problem. Steph, come over here. Sit down and tell me what happened. It's too terrible. I can't even say the words. Stephanie, honey, you can tell me anything. Break. You name it, 
I broke it. It's a duffel bag. It's not what you think. <coughs> it's the closet, isn't it? Oh, for heaven's sake, yes. and stuff it's like part of me at first is like dude you know she's got a business meeting why are you gonna interrupt that or like try to scope the guy out I'm like in the back of my mind that's what I kind of thought he was there for but with the flowers and everything you know he decided to apologize like look I'm acting like a jealous jerk you know over this whole McIntyre dinner he's like look see I'm doing it again can you forgive me? And she's like, yes. And then, of course, Stephanie is in the closet because <laughs> she wants to hide. Why she didn't head up the stairs, I don't know. This is the same thing of in every horror movie trope of why the person runs up the stairs and not out the front door. Right, 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 right. So, <laughs> Jesse's like, what's that suitcase doing here? And I'm like, thinking, suitcase? It's a Stephanie's duffel bag. A suitcase and a duffel bag don't look anything alike. But anyway, he thinks that Becky's suspicious behavior, because she was trying to get him out the door. Like, well, I'll let you know. I'll call you later tell you all about my boring business meeting. And um, he sees the duffel bag, and he sees the closet, and he kind of is like, 
putting two and two together, like, oh, yeah, the jealous green-eyed monster is rearing its head once again. And she's like, who's in the closet? <laughs> and Becky, of course, doesn't exactly help matters when she goes over to the closet and says, you know, it's it's not what you think. And Jesse's like, it's McIntyre, isn't it? So he goes over to the closet. Hey, McIntyre, got your business dinner right here. <laughs> As he opens the door. And, of course, he's, like, rifling through, like, her coats and whatnot. Of course, unbeknownst to him, who's hanging on the door? And how this is even possible, I will never know. Becky's got a coat that is hanging on the door, inside door of the closet. And she's just hanging in there. And Jesse, of course, like, nobody's in here. And he turns, sees Stephanie. He's like, Stephanie, what are you doing? And Stephanie utters the same words as she does when she's hanging from the curtains in the pilot episode. Just hanging around. <laughs> it's a good line because she's hanging inside a coat. I also noticed looking at this that there's this weird multicolored crocheted hat. I'm guessing it's a hat. It's got to be something that Becky's mom made or something because no way would Becky go out and buy something like this. It just, she doesn't look the time. I mean, she's dressed really, really nice. Like black, like sweater and, um, you know, black either pants, jeans, I'm not sure. She does look really, really pretty. And Jesse did comment, like, wow, you look beautiful. Way too beautiful for a business dinner. It's like, so she should just show up in, like, a, a sweatshirt and sweatpants? And <laughs> Would that make you feel better? <laughs> Becky's got some amazing taste. I mean, other than what I saw in the beginning of the episode, which I think right now is going to go for the worst outfit of the year, of the year, <laughs> of the episode award. But anyway, so Jessie helps Stephanie down because she's hanging inside that coat. How that hook is able to nail or whatever it is is able to support her, I will never know. But she clearly weighs, what, maybe 70 pounds? If that. So Becky lets Jesse know that Steph has a super giganto dinosaur size problem. So Jesse takes Stephanie over to the couch and has her sit down and tell him what happened. And right away, she does not have a problem talking to J Jesse as she starts with, I drove Joey's car into the kitchen. And the way they always are like, I drove the car. Well, I mean, Drove, in a way, makes me think, like, you're driving into the house, where, actually, if you want to get technical, she backed into the house. But we're not here to get technical, so. And Jessie's surprised, like, you're the one who drove Joey's stuff? You can't even drive. And she just looks at him like, you're telling me. Jody's sweet, and I swear, has got the best comedic timing. The lines they write for her are just so good, and she can just... She can handle it. She's got that kind of a sarcastic dry wit, even at this young age. It's just so good. Becky, after hearing what happened, just kind of looks down at her like, wow, no wonder you're moving to Mexico. And Jesse gets it. You know, Jesse, you know he was a wild child. He definitely got into a lot of trouble growing up. So he can definitely identify with the feelings that Stephanie's feeling. So he's like, I know you're scared. I know you want to run. Take it from a guy who's been in trouble a lot. 
the best thing for you to do is to go home and face the music. Guys, I felt bad for Stephanie. I'm going to feel even bad for, you know, later when she and Danny end up having to talk through this. But think about it. Think about a time. Because, guys, we've all been kids. We've all gotten into scrapes and stuff. I'm sure plenty, probably a good chunk of you probably have done something where you got into some big, big trouble and you had to confess to your parents how maybe guilty and embarrassed and just you know that you're going to get in so much trouble. But just, you know, either way, it's going to go one of two ways. They're going to thank you, uh, you know, praise you for telling the truth. They're, you're going to get yelled at. Your odds are you're definitely going to get grounded. But I can tell you one thing that Danny will not do. He will not take his anger out physically on his daughter over this. He will not do that. Some kids aren't so lucky. Some kids probably, who, if they'd pulled something like that, would have been in for... Yeah. But a lot of the times, honestly, when I get into trouble, I half the time, or most of the time, I will get found out before I even had a chance to confess. And that's just as embarrassing and uncomfortable. Now, this is a split-second scene that I don't remember this dialogue. And let me tell you guys, I've seen this episode a bazillion times, and I don't remember this exchange of dialogue between them, where she's like, was Dad really mad when he saw the kitchen? And Jesse's like, well, you can see for yourself when the photos come back for the, from the one-hour photo. So he takes her home. So now we're back in the house. It looks like Danny's going over some insurance forms probably for what's going to take to get that wall repaired. DJ comes in with Michelle and says, Dad, it's almost dinner. Do you want me to set up the car? Like, uh, DJ, eh, too soon for joking there, girl. Too, too, a little too soon. You know your dad. He is... I wouldn't even really be approaching him with any question of any kind that has to refer to the kitchen and the car. Hey, Dad, it's almost dinner. Do you want me to set the car? He looks like he's going to break down in tears. Sure, honey, but here's the good hubcaps. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Joey, are you okay? You had us worried sick. Danny, I'm fine. In that case, you're in big trouble, mister. <laughs> hey, look, I know I'm a little late, but you're not going to believe what happened. I had this little nick in my car, right? You don't say. Mm. And I went to buy some touch-up paint, and you'll never believe who I ran into. So that's why he's late? Speaking of things, come with me into the kitchen. Uh, are you <laughs> upset because I took the last ice cube and didn't refill the tray? <laughs> Something like that. Wait, Dad, let me get in there first. Danny, look, I'll, I'll go to the store, I'll buy some more ice, everything will be fine. Well, Danny, I guess, takes this whole joke with DJ about setting the car for dinner with good humor. And he's like, yeah, but be sure to use the good hubcaps. Joey finally comes home, and I'm like, dude... How far away is the store? And what have you been doing this whole time? Chatting with Gene and Al? He does say he ran into somebody. 
<laughs> while he was down there. I mean, he did have Comet with him, and he was walking him, so I don't know how far the store was. Maybe he took Comet to the park afterwards or something. I think, I mean, Danny knows, like, Joey didn't cause this thing, otherwise he would have been here when it happened. But just the fact that it's Joey's car and it's Danny's house, he's more than a little perturbed. Somehow, yes, this is Joey's fault. <laughs> because he left the keys in the car. And as soon as Joey's like, oh, yeah, you'll never believe who I ran into. And Danny's like, yeah, speaking of running into things, I need to show you something in the kitchen. And, of course, Joey just chalks it up to, oh, I, I guess you're angry because I didn't refill the ice tray. How many people forget to refill the ice tray after they use it? I rarely ever use ice, and the one other time that I go to use it, there's none in there. I can only blame myself because I'm the only one who uses it. So, of course, DJ wants to get in there to snap a picture. You know, Polaroid moment, mind you. Even though it's not a Polaroid. But, uh, or Kodak moment, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, Joey's like, look, Danny, it's okay. Look, I'll go to the store. I'll get more ice. And the look of shock. And, like, my car! Oh, my God! And he just turns to Danny, like, what? This is my punishment for not refilling the ice tray? And Danny is like, what? So you don't know how this happened? Danny, he hasn't been there. No, he doesn't know what happened. But then he lets up, well, what? I left Stephanie, Stephanie alone with the car. What happened? And, of course, that's when Jesse comes in with Stephanie. My No, you shouldn't have. It's not your fault, Joey. I had no business being in your new car. No, it you didn't. perfect. Well, almost. The radio didn't work. You bought a car where the radio didn't work? Who does that? Jesse comes in with Stephanie, like, here's someone who knows what the heck happened. So, Stephanie reveals she was 
taking a make-believe drive through the country, and you wanted to, she wanted to turn play the radio, so of course she knows enough that the only way you're gonna get that radio on is if you turn the key, if you turn the car on. Um, I remember a thing where apparently if you turn the key and the ignition backwards, you could listen to the radio. But I think that probably would also, like, kill the engine or kill the car, make the battery go dead. Yeah. Because how many kids that probably are told to wait in the car? You know, this is back in the day of the 90s and whatnot. You know, oh, you can't come in. You got to stay in the car. Like, can you leave the keys so I can at least play the radio? Because otherwise, what are you going to do? Stare out the window for the next 20 minutes? No. And she says she turned the key. The next thing she knew, she was in the kitchen. Uh, sweetie, I think you left out the part where you put it in reverse. Then again, I'm pretty sure they can gauge that fact from the fact that you can't just get the car to go if you just turn the key and do nothing else. You actually have to shift it into a different gear. You imagine if she put it into drive and it went forward through the Gibbler's fence? And Joey, of course, is like, I never should have left those keys in the ignition. I'm like, no, you shouldn't have. But then Stephanie's like, Joey, it's not your fault. I never should have been in your brand new car. It's like, no, you shouldn't have. I get it. Kids are curious. But definitely, mm, don't. Even now as an adult, I mean, you go so, I mean, granted, the car was just sitting in the backyard and stuff like that. Who's going to come in and, you know, run off with your car? But most people don't leave the keys in their ignition for any reason unless you're driving the car, am I right? And she says, it was perfect. And Joey's like, well, I mean, almost. The radio didn't work. I'm like, you bought a car with a radio that didn't, he probably was going to get a new one installed or something like that. Wouldn't that take down the value of the, the car? I don't know. But I'm sorry. I got to have a radio that works in my car. I just, I got to. I mean, who listens, who drives a car without radio, right? I mean, although if you think about it, who even listens to the radio anymore? Most people got that, what, Sirius XM or they got, um, got, they got their music playing through their phone or their iPod or the whatever. I mean, it's amazing. I just read something about how some radio DJs are getting let go from their jobs because, there's not a big call for people that listen to the radio as much anymore. I mean, if you think about it, a radio station is either going to be commercials or the DJ talking about whatever's going on in the world, or it's going to be, like, a bit of music. And wouldn't you rather have a playlist set up of stuff that you actually want to listen to? Yeah. I'm telling you, the right song on the radio while you're driving makes all the difference in the world. The one thing I hated as a kid driving with, you know, either my dad or my grandma or whoever, whenever they wanted to talk about something important, radio goes off. And I just dread that moment because it's like, oh no, what did I do now? <laughs> I love Stephanie's reaction. Like, oh, now he tells me. Stephanie turns to Danny and is like, go ahead, Dad, yell, scream, punish me. Or if you want, I'll just move to Mexico. She's really thinking that Danny's going to lay down the hammer. And in her eight-year-old mind, this is probably the worst thing anybody could do. So Danny puts a hand on Stephanie's shoulder as she, the whole time, she is so upset and ashamed of herself 
she can't even bother to lift her head up. It's like, that, I, I feel so bad for her. Because if you think about it, like I said, a lot of us as kids have probably been in trouble. And that guilt that you feel and that fear that you know that your parent is probably going to bring down the hammer. And he says, right now, what I want you to do is go to your room until I can figure out what to do with you. The whole figure out what I want to do with you, or figure out what to do with you, oh boy. So, Jesse takes Stephanie by the hand and passes her along to DJ and says, Here, Deej, take your sister upstairs and make sure she doesn't skip the country. Of course, we got to get a cute moment to kind of lighten the, the mood here as... We cut to Michelle, who's like, my turn to drive the car. And Joey's like, you know the rules, Michelle. No driving until you're eight years old. And he just starts weeping over his car, like, Rosie, oh, my car. And, of course, while Joey's weeping over Rosie, Michelle's like, don't cry. Be a big boy. All right, now it looks like we're going to get a little bit of sister time up here with DJ and Stephanie. I like what DJ says here. She kind of grabs Stephanie's leg a little, kind of shaking, like, hey, Steph, look, you just made a mistake, but everything's going to be all right. And that's the extent of that as Danny comes in, and he tells her, DJ, I'd like to talk to Stephanie alone, please. So DJ zips out of there, but she does tell Steph to hang in there. And of course, she has some words for her dad, like, go easy on her dad, she's just a kid. So Danny closes the door, and you know Stephanie is braced for this, for the, for, for the anger and, and, and the yelling and, and just for, for everything. And of course Danny starts out by saying, Stephanie, I am very disappointed in you. And he's like, how could you do this? You could have been hurt. You could have hurt somebody else. It's like, Danny, you think she doesn't know that already? And he, he's just shaking his head like, what you did today is the stupidest thing you have ever done. And of course, Stephanie's answer to that is like, I know that. That's why I ran away. And he's like, and you know better than that, don't you? It's, it's like, yeah, running away as much as you're scared and you want to run. It's like, that's just going to make it a lot worse. And Stephanie just breaks down and just frustrated. Like, she jumps off that bed and she starts ripping her her bed sheets off her bed. It's like, I know! Everything I do is wrong! I hate myself! It's like, oh my gosh. And it just seems like she is one of those kids that when the parent is going to discipline them or just if they're... They feel so bad that they want to punish themselves and it's just the the guilt and everything and I just I feel so bad for her because there's so many even though this is season three there's so many examples of how she handles things differently than DJ does oh I'm sorry she doesn't rip her bed sheets off what she does is she hides herself under her comforter there and, of course, Danny is like, Steph, come out from under there. It's like, you can't hide from this. We're going to have this out. Come on. And she's like, I don't deserve fresh air. And Danny's like, well, how long do you plan to stay under that blanket? And, of course, Stephanie is like, 
until I'm married. And of course, it's like we do have to get a little bit of these light moments to kind of ease up on the tension that's in this room. And he's like, well, I can tell you it's going to be hard to find somebody under there. So she pulls down the blanket and says, then I'll just stay in my room for the rest of my life. And he sits on her toy box at the foot of her bed. He's like, well, I don't know about that. Her saying that she wants to just stay in her room for the rest of her life. But I do know that I'm going to have to punish you big time. She's just full on punishing herself. And it's just, it's really sad. And she says, and I should never get any allowance or presents ever again. Because in her mind, this is the worst thing she has ever done and no amount of punishment that Danny gives her will ever wash this guilt and shame away Jody starts to tear up and you can just hear in her voice is breaking and she's like you should send me to carpentry school so I can build you a brand new house that you can live in without me and I guess I'm getting teared up because this breaks my heart seeing her get this upset that she's it almost feels like like this is the worst thing she ever could have done like at, at all and just like she ruined this family by by taking out this kitchen wall and it's just I really honestly feel that Stephanie all three but Stephanie really would benefit from talking to somebody because it just seems like she has a hard time dealing with and I think all of it stems back from her her mother dying this is how she handles things whether it's bad news losing somebody you know getting in trouble getting yelled at and everything like that it's like she closes in on herself and shuts herself off from everybody but what's really sad is she's, she says, and you'd never have to hug or kiss me again. Stephanie says that about that her dad will never have to hug and kiss her again because she feels like he's so angry at her that he couldn't possibly forgive her for this. She walks over to the table and just breaks down. And Danny does kind of look at her with this, it's not a smirk. Or an eyebrow raise, but he does look like, okay, Steph, in his mind, he's like, Steph, you are blowing this way out of proportion. This isn't as bad as you're making. I mean, it's bad, but he's like, Steph, there is nothing you could do that would ever make me stop hugging and kissing you. Like, kids, that's right. Guys, you're going to do some stuff that you're going to like, oh. My parent only knew they would hate me. They would never look at me or talk to me again. It's like, your parent loves you. Nothing you can do or say is ever going to change that. And I think she needs to hear this. As she looks up at, and turns her head and looks at Danny, she is surprised. She's like, really? Oh, no. She's looked at him and says, nothing? So he extends a hand out like, honey, come here. Look, you have to know that no matter what you do wrong, 
no matter how angry I get, I'm always going to forgive you. And I think it's not so much that Danny forgives her, but Stephanie needs to forgive herself. She can't move on until she lets herself get rid of this guilt that she's feeling. He says, because I love you. And she's like, how can you still love me? She's like, I wrecked Joey's car and I broke the house. It's like, sweetie, 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 please. Honey, you just broke a wall. That's, I mean, in her eyes, she broke the house by going through that kitchen wall and messed up Joey's car. Joey's car can be fixed. The wall to the kitchen can be replaced, sweetie. But I love how Danny says they're just things. They can be replaced. But the one thing that can't, we can always buy a new car or we can put up a new wall, but there's only one, Stephanie Judith Tanner. Like, baby girl, you are irreplaceable, sweetie. There is never going to be another you. I love how he's like, you could never be replaced. And of course, Stephanie's like, gee, I never thought of it like that. And he hugs, he shakes his head and, and he hugs her. She says, I think about it every day. And she says, I love you, Dad. And she hugs him. I love this. I love this so much. I love how he, he hugs her and kisses her. And yes, I know it's a quick one and done fix. Guys, that's how TV shows roll. Yes, she is going to be punished. No, we're not going to see it. We don't know how long or the severity. Odds are he's probably going to say... No TV, no after school. She doesn't do any after school activities. She's going to have to help more around the house and stuff like that. Come on. that That's going to be the extent of it, obviously. In the next episode, yes, the wall will be taken care of. This will be brought up, I believe, in Fuller House. There's an episode in season four where Stephanie driving Joey's car through the kitchen gets brought up. Um, I want to play this clip because this is so good. Me talking about it and breaking it down does not do it justice. So I'm playing this clip. This is just amazing acting from Jodie Sweetin. She, honestly, if there's a best acting award for the episode, it would go to her. And that award would only be used in moments like this. Come on, Steph. You just made a mistake. <laughs> but everything's gonna be alright. DJ, I'd like to talk to Stephanie alone, please. Sure, Dad. Hang in there, Steph.
do know that I am going to have to punish you big time. So, like I said, I really, really liked this episode, and I thought this was a great episode for to do in honor of Jody Sweeten's birthday, which was on Sunday, January 19th. So, as far as the worst outfit of the episode, I gotta give it to Becky's outfit at the beginning of the episode when she and Danny were sitting on the couch as Stephanie comes down to regale them about her day. Um, yeah, she was wearing some, it's not overalls, it's like some gray suspender parachute, you know, pant type dealy. It just, it just, I, I didn't care for it at all. It was just like, eh. Um, best outfit, like I said, I really loved Stephanie's, like, cloud sky, or sky blue with the yellow, the peach orange, you know, kind of lines going through it. And then you had, like, the, the black different, like, diamond shapes that kind of went, you know, down the sleeves and the front and the back of the sweater. And it was colorful, and it just, it really matched that comic strip bow on her in her hair and everything like that. For me, there was nobody who was the worst this episode. But, honestly, like I said, I'm going to give the best acting award, which I will only reserve for moments like what I saw at the end between Danny and Stephanie. I'm giving it to Jody Sweden. She acted the heck out of that scene at the end. Wow. I think, honestly, the lesson learned for this episode is definitely going to be, guys, we've all been there as kids. We've all wanted to know what it's like to drive before we hit that coveted age of 16. But you want to drive, go play a racing video game or something like that and get your fix that way. But don't get the inkling. I mean, granted, she didn't intend to drive the car when she got in it. She was pretending and she wanted to play the radio. But the lesson learned, I think, is honestly, you're in trouble. It's going to suck when you confess and it's going to be bad. You're going to get grounded. You're going to get yelled at, but you're going to learn a lesson. You're going to know not to do what you did again. 
And that weight is going to be lifted off your shoulders. Best thing you can do for yourself is just confess, learn a lesson, and move forward and hope that you won't make that same mistake again. And we, I'm just surprised, honestly, that, um, you know, people that have been in accidents and stuff like that, and that kind of was an accident for her in a way, right? That she was able to get in a car, into a car after that, like, so quickly. You'd think that that would cause a little bit of, you know, uh, stress or something. Being, I mean, she handled that very, very well. She just, it's like, oh, I'm in the house. And I mean, I get it. It's for TV and everything like that. But she came out of that pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, if this were in real life and you pulled something like that and you came out of it unscathed, I can imagine you would be pretty scared to get into a vehicle after that. It's like, I'm sure, like I said, people that have been in car accidents are probably a little nervous to get into a vehicle right away after that. So join me later this week. I will be covering the next episode in the Jesse and Becky A Love Story series. And that episode is Season 4, Episode 1, entitled Greek Week, which aired on September 21st, 1990. Jesse's grandparents visit from Greece with some unexpected guests in tow. So look forward to that. This is the episode where Jesse proposes to Becky and they are officially engaged. So the next segment, I don't do it very often, but I have read a couple really good books and I want to recommend them to you. I will list them in the episode description as well. So if you guys aren't into that, then I will see you later this Friday with Greek Week. But those of you that are interested in the book recs, just hang out for a hot second. The first one I'm going to recommend is a middle grade book entitled Roll With It by Jamie Sumner. This book came out on October 1st, 2019. It's only about 100, uh, 250 pages. Not a big, big book, but so here's the synopsis. This big-hearted middle-grade debut tells the story of an irrepressible girl with cerebral palsy, whose life takes an unexpected turn when she moves to a new town. Ellie's a girl who tells it like it is. That surprises some people, who see a kid in a wheelchair and think she's going to be all sunshine and cuddles. The thing is, Ellie has big dreams. She might be eating Stouffer's for dinner, but one day she's going to be a professional baker. If she's not writing fan letters to her favorite celebrity chefs, she's practicing recipes on her well-meaning, if overworked, mother. But when Ellie and her mom move so they can help take care of her ailing grandpa, Ellie has to start all over again in a new town at a new school. Except she's not just the new kid. She's the new kid in the wheelchair who lives in the trailer park on the wrong side of town. It all feels like one challenge too many until Ellie starts to make her first ever friends. Now she might just, now she just has to convince her mom that this town might be the best thing that ever happened to them. Yes, Ellie is not only a child who deals with cerebral palsy, she is also a child of divorce. Her father is kind of not really too much in the picture. He does call her on occasion, sends her gifts, whatnot. Um... I think that some, I, it was in the book how sometimes some parents that is kind of, um, when it comes to children with illnesses like that, 
no, that was in another book. How sometimes that kind of disrupts marriages and stuff like that. I don't know. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, that was in another book. I'm sorry. But it's just, it's such a good book. I really liked Coralie, the friend that she makes, and Bert, who another representation here is on the autism spectrum disorder. So um, there's another representation in that way. And it's just also... Ellie's father, her real name is Lily, but when she was little, she couldn't say Lily, so she said, you know, Ellie, it turned, that's what she goes by, and her grandfather also has Alzheimer's, so that is, he's been having some things come up, and, you know, his wife, Ellie's grandma, and her mom's mom have, she's been doing her best, but, of course, they want to kind of step in and help help her out and everything so they moved from Tennessee to Oklahoma and this book is just it's such a good book it's such you'll this character is just she's gonna tell you how it is she's not gonna Ellie's not gonna sugarcoat it for you I mean yeah I highly recommend it she's a great character I loved her friends I loved her grandparents and her mom and the teachers that she, um, the coach Hutch, uh, well, he's, um, also a phys ed teacher, kind of helps Ellie out with, uh, strengthening her muscles and stuff, even though she can't play, like, basketball and stuff, but she can, you know, work on building up muscle strength in her arms and her feet and everything with these stretching bands, so I think that's really cool. So definitely, I definitely recommend that book. If you do have medical triggers of any kind, I do want to say there are some scenes in the hospital. So, just so you're aware. The next book I read is actually a YA book. And let me tell you, I cruised through this book. I was like, I gotta finish it because I gotta finish it. I'm almost done. I'm, it's one of those books that's like, I love books like that. That I just, I gotta finish it. I gotta know what's gonna happen. Those are the books I love. And this book is no different. It's entitled Past Perfect Life by Elizabeth Elberg, E-U-L-B-E-R-G. This book was released July 9th of 2019. And this book is kind of similar in the vein of uh, kidnapping. Uh, if you're familiar with The Face in the, on the Milk Carton, um, the TV movie... What was it called? I Know My First Name is Steven, which is a movie, TV movie, I will be covering on Looking Back on My Wonder Years, that podcast, at some point. But let me read you the synopsis of Past Perfect Life. Small town Wisconsin high school senior Allison Smith loves her life the way it is, spending quality time with her widowed father and her tight-knit circle of friends, including best friend Marion and maybe more than friends Neil. Sure, she is stressed out about college applications. Who wouldn't be? In a few short months, everything's going to change, big time. But when Allie files her applications, they send up a red flag. Because she's not Allison Smith, and Allie's make that Amanda's ordinary life is suddenly blown apart. Was everything before a lie? Who will she be after? And what will she do as not? And what will she do as now comes crashing down around her? This was such a great book. They don't go hugely into character development too, too much, but they give you just enough. And 
it's basically the book starts out with Allie and her father. He works in construction. They do their best to make it ends meet. They have a decent sized house. They live in a small town in Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of Green Bay Packers talk. Um, Culver's, another, you know, cheese curds, stuff like that. Um, the Glee, they live in a small town. What, that is pretty much run by the Gleason family. Um, chief of police, her best friend's dad is the mayor of that town, of the town, that small town they live in, and everything like that. And um, the it, it the Gleason town, the family and the town just really they swooped in and just became a surrogate family for not just Allie. But also her father. I believe they came around the time she was maybe eight or nine. Or was she three? I'm sorry, guys. But I don't want to spoil too much about it. It's just, it's really good. It was towards the ending. It was really, really picking up. And it's like, I got to find out what's going to happen. What's going to happen? And stuff like that. And I was reading some of the reviews saying, oh, the book starts or is just like how you think it would be and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, those naysayers, I didn't let them get in my head. Those reviews, the negative ones and stuff like that. But I liked the book. I liked the characters. I liked just everything about it that... It kept me going, and it kept me interested in wanting to find out how this story was going to end. I definitely recommend it. A book I'm currently reading at the moment, entitled Stay by Bobby Pyron. This is a middle grade book, and it is just brings up the topic of homelessness in a major way. Piper's life is turned upside down when her family moves into a shelter in a whole new city. She misses her house, her friends, and her privacy, and she hates being labeled the homeless girl at her new school. But while Hope House offers her new challenges, it also brings new friendships like the girls in Firefly Girls Troop 423 and a sweet street dog named Baby. So when Baby's person goes missing, Piper knows she has to help. But helping means finding the courage to trust herself about her or trust herself and her new friends, no matter what anyone says about them before baby gets taken away for good. I really like this book. This book definitely gives you an eye-opening scenario about something that is going on in the world right now that sometimes people turn a blind eye to. Or maybe we just don't know the whole story. When we see those people, and guys, I've seen many people that will stand out there, whether it's in a wheelchair, whether they're just standing there holding a cardboard sign that says, help, need money, need food, will work for food. And I got to be honest, sometimes I, I'm, I'm the skeptic when it comes to certain ones. Um... You know that there are scams out there, that there are people sometimes that aren't homeless that will go out there and do that. And I'm not going to, you know, shame any anybody just based on that fact alone. Just like, oh, you could be someone who doesn't really need the help. No, I did see somebody and I had $5 and I gave that to them. They were sitting in a wheelchair. I mean, like, hey, I got the money. I will give it to you. You do what you need to do. But I like how this story doesn't just deal with a, a family that is really struggling. They lost their home. They lost their jobs. 
everything and they put find themselves in a situation that is taking time to adjust. It also isn't just about Piper's story with her family. It's also about a homeless woman named Jewel and her dog, Baby. And it shows life living on the street. And not just these people living on the streets, but people that have animals and how they struggle and how they do what they have to do to make sure their pets feed for or fed first. That Sometimes the owners will go without food to make sure that their pets are being well taken care of. They will sacrifice their own needs for that of their pets. And it just, guys, this is just such a great, great book. And I highly recommend it. I honestly, in the amount of middle grade books I've been reading in the last year, maybe two years, I wish that these kind of books existed when I was growing up in the early to mid 90s. I These books really could have been an eye opener. But I think now in today's world, we need books like these that deal with characters that have physical disabilities, mental disabilities, families and, and people that are homeless. So that gives us, uh, you know, helps us know and not turn a blind eye see things from their side for once. You know what I mean? So like I said, I recommend all of these books. I'm sure they are either on Audible. You can get them at the library. I actually surprised that I went to the library because I have a slew of books that I have not even begun to read yet. Yet I still find myself going to the library and like, oh, I got it. And I always go to the middle grade section first because I love to see what new books are coming up. And I've been wanting to get Roll With Me for a while, but when I saw it at my library, I'm like, I'm a Roll With It? I'm like, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yes. Thank you. So... Like I said, I highly recommend those books. If you read them, you want to let me know what your thoughts are, you can send an email to lomhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Everyone have a wonderful week. It's Tuesday. We're still in the middle of the week, or <laughs> the beginning of the week. <laughs> but we are that much closer to being done with the first month of January, and that is just utter craziness so guys have a great week if you gotta get to work or wherever you need to go and it's icky out leave early give yourself time don't be in a rush because accidents do happen it's the, it's the last thing i want to have happen to you guys all right just have patience take things slow leave early right right all right bye bye everybody